My phone? Okay, sorry. So, uh, first thing I want to say to you this morning is um, relax. I'm not asking you to give any clothing items away today, okay? Don't you feel better about that? Yeah. Yeah, boy, somebody is really feeling better about that, yeah. Well, um, last week was an incredible, incredible moment. It's one of those uh, days that uh, I don't think those of us who were here probably will ever forget. And uh, we uh, challenged people last week to uh, give their shoes and to leave barefoot. And, uh, you know, it's one of those things that as I thought about it ahead of time, made me a little nervous because I thought I'm not sure how people respond to this. I might be the only guy that gives the shoes. But I should have known better because uh, you guys generously uh, gave away. And it didn't just end there. Uh, kind of spread throughout the week. Uh, I, even that morning, there were some pretty cool things. I heard uh, people talk about, ah, you know, I, I gave my very favorite pair of shoes away, or they were brand new shoes, and I gave them away. I had, saw families come back in with their kids, and the whole family give their shoes away. And uh, yeah, there's the picture of all the shoes. Um, it, the story went on the internet this week. You guys uh, wrote in Facebook about it. You blogged about it, and it spread to other places. Uh, we got information back from people saying, hey, we're challenging our church to do this in other states, people as far away as Canada. Uh, just really, really cool. So I know you want to know how many shoes are there, right? We collected over 300 pairs of shoes that will get shipped out. And uh, you guys gave the, the financial resources also to make sure that we don't have any cost in getting those shipped off. And actually, there'll be plenty of money to send to them to buy some other shoes. So uh, really cool thing. It didn't stop there. A lot of you uh, showed up yesterday, and uh, we went, as Brad said, and collected food in neighborhoods. And we collected a lot of food that's going to be a huge blessing to a lot of families in our community through the Cape Coral Caring Center. And just good. You know what? We, we feel good about that, don't we? I mean, that just kind of jazzes us. There is something inside of us that feels good. And you know why? Because all of us want our lives to matter. We want to make a difference. You see, as I said last week, all of us, I think, have this image in our minds of the me I want to be. And so does God, as we discovered last week. In fact, the Bible says this about who we are and who God created us to be. It says, for we are God's masterpiece. He created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things He planned for us long ago. You, you, every one of you, were created by God as a work of art and He created you to do good. That's the me that He intended us to be and it's the me that I believe we all want to be. So today, I want us to look at another passage in the Bible that sheds some more light on becoming the me that God wants us to uh, to be and what that really uh, looks like. We're going to look at uh, 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 12. And what we're going to discover today is that, it is that it is not possible to live a life of peace and satisfaction apart from being who God gifted and created us to be. It's just not possible. I, I heard about two boys that burst into a dentist's office and the older brother said as they burst through the door of this dentist's office, said to the dentist, Quick, Dennis, Mr. Dennis, we, we've got a tooth that needs pulled. I've got a tooth that needs pulled. And uh, he said, uh, we're in such a hurry, there's no time for any Novocaine or gas. Just pull the tooth. Then it said, my, you are a brave young man. Now, which tooth is it? Go ahead and show me. At that point, he turned to his brother and said, Albert, show him the tooth. We're pretty good at volunteering other people to step up and serve, aren't we? Well, we're going to discover that 1 Corinthians 12 says today that if we're going to be the me that I want to be, it's about stepping up and recognizing that God has created us to serve and to do good. And that it's through doing that. 
that we discover the peace and fulfillment that so many of us are longing to have in life. We discover how, what it is to really make a difference. I hope you brought your Bibles. And uh, as always, I want you to open them up and to turn to 1 Corinthians 12. But uh, sometimes I think you just ignore when I say that today. I really want you to open to 1 Corinthians 12 because I want to challenge you uh, this week to go home and read this several times so that the full message of what Paul writes here can really sink in and you can really grab hold of what he was teaching here. First uh, Corinthians chapter 12 is written by Paul, who was a leader in the early church. And Paul is writing to a uh, local church in the city of Corinth, thus the name Corinthians. And uh, in this letter, he writes to people just like us to understand this incredible thing. And what we're going to discover here today is that all of us have this opportunity to be part of something that is bigger than ourselves. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Now I want to start with verse 27, which I know is kind of at the end of the chapter. And really what Paul does in verse 27 is kind of the summation or the climax of what he writes about here. And so uh, I want to do that first. I want you to get kind of the bottom line. That way if you fall asleep later or you get up and leave for some reason, uh, you'll, you'll know what the main point was. I'm just kidding. I really don't want you to, to get up and leave or to fall asleep. Um, but I want you to see the bottom line. And then we're going to go back and kind of fill in the blanks. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 27. Now you are the body of Christ. You catch that? You are the body of Christ. And then maybe you want to immediately say, well, that that sounds kind of strange. What do you mean I'm the body of Christ? Uh, Jesus already has a body, right? I mean, He he came to earth as a man. He walked on earth with a body. His body was nailed to the cross. That body rose from the dead. Jesus already has a body. What are you saying, Paul, that you are the body of Christ? Well, he, He says that you... You, not you, not me, but you, us collectively, that we are the physical representation of Jesus Christ here on the earth. You, together, are the body of Christ. And he goes on to say this. And each one of you is a part of it. Each one of you is a part of it. He says, collectively, we are the the hands and the feet and the ears and the eyes and the nose of Jesus. And individually, each of us has a role to play in that body. Paul helps us to to understand the connection between me, the lone Christ follower, and all the other Christ followers. And he says this is the connection. He says that when you became a Christ follower, you as an individual were connected to to a body of believers. You were connected to the the body of Christ. And collectively, you're the hands and feet of Jesus. Individually, you each have a role to play in that body. Now, let's go back to verse 12 then and kind of fill in the blanks of where uh, Paul takes us on this journey. He says in verse 12, Just as the body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. Now you're saying, well, wait a minute. What a Christ? Weren't you? Wasn't he talking about the body? Well, he uses interchangeably here, body of Christ and the term Christ, and talking about the church. So he says, you, you're the body of Christ. Verse 13. For we were all baptized by one Spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one Spirit to drink. Paul says that when you became a Christ follower, when you were baptized, you were baptized into one body. When you were baptized, maybe before we knew each other, maybe for you it was 10 years ago in in New York, 
When I was baptized in July of 1976 in Ohio, we were all baptized into one body. Around the world, there is one body. Not a whole bunch of bodies, there is one body. We are part of the same body this morning as are the Christ followers who met earlier today on their time schedule in Rakovica, Bulgaria. We're part of the same body that they are. There is one body of Christ. I am, um, you've heard me talk about before, I uh, meet almost every Monday with uh, five other pastors in our community. Uh, I meet uh, with uh, Jamie Stilson from Vineyard and uh, Dave Comer from Christian Life Fellowship and Dennis Gingrich from Cape Christian Fellowship and uh, Dave Rigby from Cape Coral Community Church and George Acevedo from Grace Church. And uh, we meet and hang out and do life together. And uh, it's a safe place for all of us to kind of share what's going on in our lives. But here's the great thing that's come out of this. There is no competition among us. All of that has been removed. There is no sense of we are separate churches doing our own thing. We clearly understand in this community we are one body. Now, there are theological differences that we have, certainly. There there's some big theological differences. But here's the thing that unites us. The thing that unites us is, is that we would all be in agreement about the deity of Jesus Christ, that He came in the form of a man, that He was God in the flesh here on earth, that He died on the cross to pay the price for our sins. And the only way to get into a relationship with God, to restore our relationship with God, is through Jesus Christ. And we would all agree in the inerrancy and the truth of the Bible. And those foundational principles unite us as one body. And there is no sense of competition. I've got to outdo the other guy. Because we understand in this community, just as it is really all around the world, we are one body of Christ. But he goes on then to say this in verse 14. He says, Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now, so he says there is this one body of Christ, but that one body has many, many parts. And here's where Paul, I think, sort of begins to drive it home for the, for the local church at Corinth and really for us to understand that while there is one body of Christ, people who believe in the truth of the Bible, there are many parts. And he says this in verse 15. Now if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body. And here's where I think, while Paul's creating this incredible word picture, I think he actually intended to be funny here. And we maybe don't get the humor of that. And if I tried, I'd probably have to apologize to Paul someday when I met him in heaven. But I think he was trying to be funny because if you think about it, isn't it just a crazy thing to think about our foot trying to converse with the rest of the body? I mean, can't you hear that conversation? The foot says, hey guys, you know, you're always, I'm always bearing the load down here. You guys don't ever pay attention to me. You treat me like I'm the ugly part. You keep me covered up all the time. Why don't you treat me like the hand? You know, why is it when you meet somebody that you always stick out the hand? Why don't you once in a while, why don't I get to be stuck out to greet the other person? And that's a ridiculous conversation, isn't it? Paul goes on to say, it would not for that reason cease to be part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, I mean, can you picture that? Where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, that would be really ugly. Where would the sense of smell be? Your foot is a part of the body because it has a role to play. And because it was placed on or in the body. Now, can you imagine if one day the foot 
said, well, you know, that hand, the hand is so much more cool than I am. And because the hand is more cool, you know, it's just so much more important than I am. I'm just so unimportant down here. I really don't matter. In fact, I'm not sure I'm even really part of the body. To which the rest of the body would say, well, that's ridiculous. Of course, Mr. Foote, you are part of the body. You have a, a role to play. You have a part to play. You guys really think that's funny, don't you? You're the only one. Um, you have an important part to play because every part is important. Well, that's ridiculous, isn't it? And yet there are some of you. There are some of you today. Because you think about your giftedness or lack of giftedness or your money or your lack of knowledge or your knowledge, you think, I'm not very important to the church. I'm not very important to the, to the body of Christ. I'm not sure I'm really part of the body. To which I would say, absolutely not true. You are a vital part of the body. And for any part to work correctly, every part has to play its part. Every part has to do what God created it to do. If the body is to function effectively, then every part has to play their role. Every part of the body matters. Every part is significant. Then he says this in verse 18. He says, but in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as He wanted them to be. Let me read that first part again. But in fact, God has, what's that word? Placed, or in some of your Bibles it probably says, arranged the parts just as He wants them to be. You know what Paul says? When you became a Christ follower, when you were baptized, you, God, arranged you, He placed you as a part of the body exactly where He wanted you to be. Paul says God is arranging. Now, I don't, you know what, I can't explain how this works, but it's what it says. God is arranging, He is gifting, He is building His body exactly the way He wants to build it to accomplish exactly what He wants to accomplish. God is doing that. You have a significant role to play. Because God has placed you. He has arranged you. Exactly where you are. And if we're going to be the me that God wants us to be, then we will have to begin to understand the significance of the role and the place where God has put us. Listen then to verse 19. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. Can you, hear, see, can you imagine that? Can you imagine if the eye one day, you know, the body wakes up and the eye says, you know what hand today? I don't need you. The hand would say back, yeah, well, let me see you get your contact lenses in then. Yeah, go ahead and put your glasses on without me. Or suppose one day the hand said to the eye, you know what, I, I really don't need you. And the eye would say, oh, really? Really? Go ahead without me. That's what he says then in verse 20. Or 21, or the rest of that part. Verse 22. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are, what's that word? Indispensable. You catch that? The weaker parts of the body are indispensable. 
indispensable. Paul says that you are indispensable. You are indispensable to the body. If the body is going to accomplish everything that God desires for it to accomplish, you are indispensable. You are indispensable to the work of God in this world. You are indispensable to the work of the local church in our community. You are indispensable to the work of Crosspoint in living out the role that God has given us in His larger body. You, you are indispensable. This is an older story, but it was verified several years ago. Herman Ostry moved to Bruno, Nebraska. Bought some farmland there in this barn. Um, But after he lived there just a short time, he discovered that when it rains, the the, uh, barn would flood. In fact, one time there were over two two feet of water. In the barn. So he just almost jokingly said to his son, who was kind of an engineer type mind, wouldn't it be great if we could move that barn to higher ground? Well, his son began to calculate. He figured out that the barn would weigh about 19,000 pounds. And he thought that, you know, the average person could pretty easily lift about 55 pounds. And so if we had 344 people, they could each lift 55 pounds and we could carry that barn. And so he began to, to construct a, a steel grid system. And he put handles on the, the steel grid system on the outside. And they planned a day, July 30, 1988, and literally thousands of people came to watch, and 344 people got around that barn, and Herman Ostry counted one, two, three, and together they lifted that barn, and they carried it 50 yards up the hill. They rotated it slightly and set it back down. power of what happens when everybody does their part. And what could happen at Crosspoint for the glory of God if everyone would step up, pick up their part, and do what God has created them to do? Not to carry the 19,000 pounds, but to carry the 55 pounds that God created you for. What could happen? You know, on a regular week around here, Sunday morning through everything that we do throughout the week in ministry, To accomplish everything that we do, it takes 225 people carrying their 55 pounds for Crosspoint to function every week. But here's the truth. There aren't 225 people carrying the load. There are a lot of people around here who are carrying their 55 pounds and then they're carrying the 55 pounds of two or three other people. And honestly, in that whole list of 225, there are some things that just don't get done. Every week, the body doesn't function effectively like it ought to. In fact, I, I wanted to give you just a, a glimpse of a snapshot picture of what of some of the things that happen just on Sundays here at Crosspoint. A lot of it happens before you ever get here. Watch this.
So what could happen if everybody picked up their 55 pounds? What could happen for the glory of God? Uh, when you came in this morning, you were handed one of these uh, green handouts. Take that out right now if you would. And uh, listed on here are most of, we thought of a couple this morning we forgot, uh, most of the roles that happen around Crosspoint to make Crosspoint function in a week's time. And so maybe you're thinking this morning, well, okay, that's great, Jeff. Yeah, I, I ought to... You know, I ought to want to live out my role. I want to do what God created me to do. I want to be the me that He wants me to be. But I'm not sure what it is that He created me to do. I'm not sure what the role is that God has for me. Let me suggest two things. Number one, you need to, to get on your knees, literally or figuratively. Maybe right here today before you leave or when you get home today. And you need to say to God, God, I want to know. Help me to find my place. Help me to know what it is that you created me for. I want to be the me that you created me to be. What is it in my life that will give me joy and peace and satisfaction? And I believe if you genuinely ask God that over a period of time, He'll show you. And the second thing I'd suggest to you is that you just try, start trying spots. You just start trying some places. Jump in, serve, find some places where you can give it a try. And you keep trying until you find that spot that God created you for, until you find your, your sweet spot. And so I, I'd encourage you to, to mark some things on there that you're interested in. You'll just mark some things. You're not committing to anything. But if there's some things, if you're somebody that's here today and you're thinking, I'm not carrying my 55 pounds, I need to step up and do that. Then mark some things you're interested in knowing about and put that in the offering. And somebody will call you this week. And uh, just answer your questions about it. And see if we can help you start to try to find uh, your spot. You know, um, what this is all about is about helping people to have the opportunity to meet Jesus. I mean, isn't that what we, we really all want? It's for people who are a lot like us who live in this community to have a chance to meet Jesus. And what could happen? Imagine what could happen. If all of us were doing our part, if all of us had found our spot, imagine what that could mean for people who are living far from God. You know, you, you will never in your life, I think, and I'm confident that this is what the Bible teaches, you will never get to that place where you are living the me that you want to be, that image that you have in your mind. You, you will never be that without getting shoulder to shoulder with some other Christ followers and doing what God created you to do, the role that He created you to play in His body. Because there will always be something missing in your life until that's true for you. There's one more thing I want to do this morning to kind of illustrate this. And uh, if you're a bit squeamish about uh, medical things, then you know you might want to do when, what you do when you go to the movie and see a scary movie, you know, kind of sort of half cover your eyes, or you're sort of still watching, but you're not fully engaged. I have some uh, body parts I want to show you. So if that bothers you at all, yeah, I apologize. So are you ready for this? You ready? Yeah, they're not real. I, I think probably it's illegal for good reason to actually have like real body parts. Pretty sure that wouldn't be right. But imagine these hands if they were real. Imagine today as we wrap up, if I stood down here and you came down to greet me. If you come down to greet me and I stick out my, my real hand, 
No big deal, right? In fact, you're glad to reach out and to shake my hand and there's a warm reception about that. But suppose today you, you came down to greet me and I had these hands and they were real hands. And when you came down to greet me, I said, just a second, and I unscrew the lid here and I reached in and I pulled one of those hands out and stuck it out for you to shake. You, you know what you'd say? You'd go, oh, that's gross. That is disgusting. Put that thing back in the jar. I'm not touching that thing. You'd say, honey, let's get out of here. We're never coming back to church here. Not only do they take your shoes, now they want you to shake dead body parts. It's disgusting. I mean, a hand that's not attached to the body, I mean, it's like a science experiment. It's gross. And you know what? A part of us, if, if we are not connected to the body of Christ like He wants us to, I don't know if God says that's gross, that's disgusting, if He thinks that's a science experiment, but I do know this. God looks at that and says, that's just not right. That's not what I intended. I, I intended that all of the parts would be connected to the body. You know what, these, these hands, if they were real and in formaldehyde, they wouldn't grow anymore, would they? I mean, they'd bloat, but that's about all they'd be. There wouldn't be any growth. A body part only grows when it's attached to the body. My hand grew as it was attached to the body, and it stays healthy and functioning as it's attached to the body. But cut it off from the body, and it grows unhealthy, and it's of no value. And God would say to all of us today, you need to be attached to the body. You need to discover the role that I created you for. And you need to live out that role so that you'll find that life of peace and satisfaction so that you'll become the me that you want to be. God, I thank You for the way that You have incredibly crafted together the body of Christ. And God, I thank You that we are part of the body of Christ in the world. And that God, as a part of that, You have given each of us a role to play so that we can represent Jesus to our community and to our world. And God, we do that together. Not be my, myself, not any person by themselves, but together, collectively, we represent Jesus. God, help us collectively to represent Him well. And Father, for the people in this room that just haven't found their spot yet, I pray, God, today you'd help them to find the thing they were created for. Father, they would begin to live out the role that you created them for. And that God, as they do that, you would bless them and use them and God, give them that sense of satisfaction that we all long for as we serve you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.